You're listening to Conversations, brought to you by TechSquare ATL. I'm sitting down here with Carl Bettingfield from the AT&T Foundry. Carl, welcome to the show. Thank you, Scott. Glad to be here. Well, the Foundry is here in Atlanta, Georgia, one of four in the world. Do I understand correctly? There are four locations, technically five foundries. Plano has two. So what, what is the AT&T Foundry? What do you guys do? Uh... The short answer is that, that it's an innovation center. It's it's a place where we hope to reduce obstacles to coming up with new ideas, particularly ideas that relate to AT&T services, but we're not really limited to that. Uh, we try to serve a wide range of clients from individual college students, Georgia Tech students, uh, who sometimes wander by the foundry looking for information, all the way up to internal stakeholders like Digital Life, Connected Car, and uh, the mobility folks, where we have sort of formalized projects that we work on. But still, we try to try to make them fast. We try to, you know, we, we, we take the fail early, fail often mantra, but we really want to try to find out what we can as quickly as possible. And, uh, and the other piece of that is that we try to do a lot of outreach. We try to uh, get to know what's going on in the, uh, the startup areas, the entrepreneurial areas and around here. Uh, you may remember a company called Hypopotamus. Vaguely. And Atlanta Tech Village, ATDC, uh, uh, when we first opened up, one of the, uh, one of the folks from IPAT, uh, set up a demo at, at our grand opening uh, hmm. of, of a project. So we're, we're trying to involve uh, the community as much as we can. It's a balancing act, quite honestly. Hmm. I mean, we obviously can't have a thousand tech students a month coming through. You know, first of all, there's not room. And secondly, we've, we've got to actually produce some other output. Uh, I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I remember when you guys opened, um, uh, one of the, the folks, uh, the, the senior leaders had said something to the point of effective, this is not a petting zoo, right? This is, right. We've got to actually create stuff. And, and it's, it's funny because we, we're besieged, if I can use that term, uh, with people who want to tour the foundry. And to us, that's sort of like wanting to tour my garage, which is not very <laughs> exciting. Uh, we create cool things in there, but it yeah. just isn't really exciting. We're, space, we're a it? production place, mm-hmm. and if you walked in there right now, it's really chaotic because we've got a hackathon coming up, mm-hmm. and, and to support the hackathon, we have some things called igloos from Digital Life, which were shipped back from Las Vegas right before CES. We had a hackathon there, and these <laughs> things were packed helter-skelter with all kinds of weird kind of packing, and I'm in the process of unpacking them and getting ready to set them up. And it looks like uh, it looks like Santa's workshop right before Christmas. I mean, there's just stuff all over the place. <laughs> uh, well, you guys are you guys are doing a lot of good stuff down there, a lot of different things down in in the foundry. Um, and you're interacting in many different facets in the community. I think it's been great to see things like you know the civic hack nights that happen down mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, different kind of events, but. Um, I'm curious, what, what were you doing before the foundry? What was your path from, let's not all the way from birth, but let's go oh, from your, I, your career arc. It, what? I think I could, we could start with me at uh, Georgia Tech. Where That's I, a good start. I, I managed to talk them out of a degree in physics. Uh, <laughs> and then good negotiation didn't, didn't want to get a job. A bachelor's in physics doesn't really equip you for much of a job. Uh, and, and so I, 
there was this new thing called computer science mm. that I jumped into and, uh, and managed to talk them out of a master's degree in computer science. Uh, and then I worked at the computer center for three or four years and then uh, realized that, that I was looking for something a little different. Mm. And uh, I joined a, a small engineering company that was building concrete plants and materials handling equipment. So I was, I was building control panels and, uh, and programming things when a, f- a friend from, from my earlier days at Tech offered me a job at uh, what well, at the time was Southern Bell. And uh, I thought to myself, yeah, that's, that's good. I've got four kids. I need good medical coverage. I can probably stand to get paid for a few years here. I'll, I'll, I'll do that for a little while. And, and that was in 1986. And I'm still essentially in the same place. I'm within you know, a quarter of a mile of where I got my, <laughs> my degrees worked. And, uh, you know, so it's uh, within the phone company, I, I ran through a series of acronyms, ISDN, AIN, mm-hmm. Lightspeed. Uh, but I've been fortunate to be in the, the science and technology area the whole time, which has allowed me to work on projects that were somewhat interesting and somewhat forward-looking, as well as find time to do, uh, to do sort of side projects that, that I found interesting. So in a, in a way, I've, I guess I've always been interested in innovation i guess for the past uh 11 or 12 years we hosted a uh, a once a week a one hour long innovation session uh, very consistently uh, inside at&t inside at&t yeah we st- a couple of us started it when everybody else was leaving to to go with internet startups <laughs> and we we decided we liked the salary and the and the benefits so we stayed but we tried to start up a little in in-house startup and mm-hmm. our our two mm-hmm. bosses supported us and it just turned into something that was really fun a good opportunity to to do stuff to develop some patentable ideas and some things like that so uh that that put me in a in a in a group that was the group that was sort of selected to help start up the Atlanta Foundry, which is the, I guess, the third or fourth foundry that was that was built of the Foundry family. So there was like a, a core group of people mm-hmm. from that. So yeah, interesting, interesting insight. Because you're 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 saying that um, you know you're getting reg- getting together regularly, allowing for folks to kind of explore and kind of um, mm-hmm. you know, play around with some ideas, and then from that, the, those relationships turned into a, a team that now is the core of the AT and T Foundry in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, th- that's sort of in parallel. There was a uh, the group that we were in uh, th- that my boss led was uh, was a group that did we were originally called Service Concepts, which meant that we we took ideas from marketing and tried to figure out if there was a way to actually make those happen in the network, and then we'd write up a description, a, a possible implementation, and so that was the group that contributed to the innovation group as well as the group that got got selected to help staff the first foundry mm. uh it's you know it's, it's not a bunch of straight lines it's more amorphous than that but uh those those were the people that were involved so what are what are the challenges and the dynamics of you know trying to innovate inside of a large traditionally uh hegemonic kind of power called a, a phone company well there's a rich history of innovation in the phone company uh i'm, I'm reading a book called the the information by James Click, and it he's focusing on uh, 1948 when the phone company invented the transistor, and then Claude Shannon, in his study of information theory, for all practical practical purposes, invented the bit 
as mm. a measure of information. Interesting. And uh, at one time, Bell Labs was proud to say that they were, were being granted a patent a day. Mm. So it was very much of an innovative history. Now, when the phone company got broken up, scattered to the wind, some of those pieces got broken into, into smaller groups, but the, the DNA is still there. And, uh, and, and so there's a lot of support within the science and technology organization for coming up with new ideas. Uh, it, it was not always easy to get those actually out in the real world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of other obstacles, and, and that's where the big company piece uh, mm. was sort of slowing things down. Uh, there, there was a, I, I had what I think was a, a really cool idea for a 311 service, and one of the product people looked at it and says, no, we can't spend $120,000 on that. You know, And I'm thinking, $120,000? It's like the chains in the back of our couch at AT&T. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. But uh, uh, the, that is, in fact, the kind of thing that the, the notion of the foundry and of innovation centers is trying to escape is that gravitational pull to slow things down and to, and to you know, dot every I and cross every T. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that going on. We've, we've got some new, uh, some new approaches within, within AT&T that are attempting to be more innovative. Hmm. Well, you know, one, one thing that's interesting to, to me about you, Carl, is you are a multi-talented person. You're not just a a guy coming up with ideas that you know sitting in your 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 garage there you're you're actually i mean as as a person you're very creative musically as well and i, I you and I were discussing this before we started recording but uh there seems to be you know kind of shared ways of thinking between scientists mathematicians coders and musicians is you 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 have, what what were you saying about that it, well first of all it's funny because i uh I, I like to describe what I do as operate musical equipment, musical instruments. I don't really play them. They're, they're, they're those 10,000-hour people who really practice and who really really can perform them. Uh, I, I'm close to that on on the bass guitar because that's the thing I've done the most. But I, I can operate a lot of different instruments, and part of that, I think, is, is physics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand... Uh, you know, what makes a string vibrate, what a harmonic is, and what happens when you fret a string, and what happens when you tighten it and loosen it, and that kind of thing. And then I understand what a chord is, how chords are defined, uh, the, the, the theory behind it, all of which I've, I've just sort of, sort of picked up. Uh, there, there's a lot of information to be had on, on the way that kind of thing works. Uh, Oliver Sacks uh, does some stuff about the brain and music, and then there couple of other books that, that have come out fairly recently that are really good about about what makes uh, what makes music work and uh, I'm sort of fascinated by that kind of stuff uh, another uh, and I do think it tends to be that that folks who are are mathematical and scientific tend to gravitate towards music because it's it's an escape it's something I've always I've always thought of uh, even when I was younger and in better shape was that music is something that you can pretty much do your entire life. I mean, even if you can hardly even get out of the bed, you can still saw fiddle, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that's not necessarily true of a lot of other endeavors that require require more stamina and more actual power, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a way that you can make some kind of music, even if you're just playing the spoons, which I, by the way, do quite well. Oh. Uh, yeah, I would like to note that I'm a, uh, I'm a spoon 
operator. <laughs> spoon operator. <laughs> I operate spoons differently and usually yes. with ice cream. Yes. Um, yes. So we're, we're going to uh, close out the segment as, as after we say goodbye here. We're going to play um, one of your songs that you shared with us. Uh, which one would you like us to play? And tell us the, the, a little bit about that song. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, you know, I really think that the one I would pick is probably the one that's the, that's the least smooth musically, but it's called uh, Take a Chance on the Dollhouse. And part of the reason I, I enjoy doing music is because I have perverse notions about copywriting, people's protecting music and about rights and royalties and that kind of stuff. And so when it comes down to it, if I'm going to do a slideshow or something like that, I would just as soon write something as have to worry about you know, getting all that other stuff taken mm-hmm. in line. And it may not be quite as good, but it's fun for me. And in fact, uh, I did a big project at the end of last year. I built a thing called the dollhouse as mm. part of the foundry, uh, a little bit of a stretch commitment. And, uh, and I was putting together some slides that sort of captured the, the progress of the dollhouse from my original vision all the way to Las Vegas where it wound up Mm -hmm. and how that we eventually came all the way back around and I needed some music for it. So last Saturday I sat down and, uh, and picked up, uh, one at a time, four instruments and, and recorded like four little tracks and sort of mixed them together. And, uh, and there it is. And there it is. Yeah. And it was, uh, it's like I say, it's probably not my best work, but it's representative of, why I did it, how I did it, and it also reminds me of the dollhouse, which is really a fun project. Oh, good. Well, before we uh, say goodbye, um, how do people find you uh, in the wor- in the World Wide Web? I mean, if they're interested to learn more about who Carl Budenfeld is, or wh- where do they go? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't really have a a formal website. I don't. You have a Twitter account, though. Yeah, I am uh, at. Ideaco Carl, but you have to know how to spell Ideaco because it starts with two I's. That's true. I-I-D-E-A-C-O-C-A-R-L. So Ideaco Carl on Twitter is a good place to start. Well, we'll certainly include that in the show notes. Uh, so when people go to the, the blog to, to find out more about you, see a, a picture and get uh, some links to more of your songs, they'll know who Carl Bedenfield is. So Very cool. Thanks for, having, uh, thanks for coming on the show. We really enjoyed having you. Thank you. TechSquare ATL is a media studio connecting you to the heart of Atlanta's tech community. Copyright Sandbox Communities, LLC.